In the book of Mark, chapter 8, verse number 34, it says, And when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself, and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? I've been studying this, uh, this small passage of scriptures, in particular um, verse number 34 here for the last few weeks. And I'd like to uh, discuss this with you this afternoon. And there's one phrase that stands out to me, and that's what we're going to focus on for our study today. I find some things interesting about this. Um, I find that um, if you're like me, you've read this, these few verses a countless amount of times in your life. How many times have you heard this? Or how many times have you heard it just from the pulpit? Um, it, it comes up quite often. And when a verse comes up so often, we tend to it seems, skim over it. I tend in my mind to jumble it all together and I get one sentence out of it and it's just what, what I hear um, out of this scripture. Um, so when I go and I read a verse like verse number 35, it says, But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake in the Gospels, the same shall save it. I, I hear one thing. And that's basically what I hear throughout the whole, those four or five verses, however many I just read there. That tends to be what I hear. Whenever I read verse number 34, I tend to get one message out of that. Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. I hear, whoever follows Jesus. That, that's, all that, that's all that I tend to hear. Um, but I believe there's more to this small passage of scriptures than, uh, than meets the eye. More than we tend to hear um, when we take it just at face value um, in our own minds. And so we see there, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake in the Gospels, the same shall save it. So we, we read here uh, a, a sentence that is very profound. If you will lose your life, you will save your life. And uh, for some people that can be a bit of a head-scratcher. But, but to lose your life, and so what I think of, what, what, it, what it means to me is, is if you give up your life here on earth, uh, not literally, not uh, to, to die necessarily, then you will save your eternal life. You'll save your life in heaven. The, the life that you could have had here on earth with the thrills and the fun, whatever you want to call it, if you give that up, then you will save. If you lose your life, that life, you will save your life in eternity. And how, how do we do that? Because really, while we're here, we, we just want to go to heaven. That's, that's our main goal. And how we do that is said in verse number 34. Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and follow me. And so when I read these, this verse uh, for years before, I read it as whoever follows, whoever follows Christ. And I think there's a little bit more to that. So I started looking at this verse and I started trying to draw that out and, and make these four different points. Whosoever will come after me and deny himself and follow me, and I tried to spread them out um, because I, I, I thought it was just Jesus being repetitive. Come after me, deny yourself, uh, follow after me. It, it seemed very repetitive to me. But there's one phrase there that, that changes that. And take up his cross. Now that changes it a little bit. That's something I skimmed over 
um, sadly, for a long time. And I think that changes the dynamic of this scripture. So what does it mean to take up the cross? I think we know what it means to, to follow after Jesus. Um, that's not something I'm necessarily going to put a definition on. I think we know what that means. I think we know what it means to deny ourselves. I think that these are all genuine, genuinely things that we generally want to do. We want to come after Christ. We want to deny ourselves, I think, typically. We want to follow after Christ. Um, but do we take up the cross for Christ? So what does it mean to take up the cross? I thought of a few points here, and I don't have these scriptures on the, on the PowerPoint today, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read them off my phone here if you want to turn along. I've got them listed there. What does it mean to take up the cross? Um, as I begin to draw out and or really just focus on take up the cross and try to draw that out, I had some thoughts um, about what it meant to take up the cross. Was taking up the cross a, a phrase that Christ threw in there to mean follow after Christ? Um, or, or himself? Was it something that he was talking about preaching? Was he talking about being a good person? Was he talking about leaving your old life of sin behind you? Was he talking about um, endurance or fighting through temptation or a hardship? Um, these, these are quite possible uh, answers to that question. But rather than overanalyze this, which we can be pretty prone to doing whenever you get to looking at a Strong's Concordance, or rather than underanalyzing it and saying, Jesus is just being repetitive, let's move on. Let's, let's look at a few examples in the Scripture. And rather than putting a definition on it, let's just look at some examples of what, in my opinion, are people who took up the cross, who bore their own cross, or people who, um, who did not take up their own cross. So what does it mean? In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 17 there, says, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved is the power of God. We read of examples in the Scriptures where the cross is defined as, as preaching of the cross. Is that what it means for us to take up the cross? Does it mean simply to to be a good person. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 18, says, Therefore many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Does to take up the cross then mean to be the friend of Christ, to, to be a good person? I don't know. In Colossians chapter 2, it says, Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, Nailing it to the cross. Is nailing it to the cross, is bearing our cross the same as, as nailing our old life to the cross? Changing into a new person? Possibly. Does it mean to endure? Hebrews chapter 12 verse number 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. You see, for Jesus... We often turn to him as an example for Jesus. The cross was a uh, was no doubt endurance. There was no doubt a fighting through a hardship or enduring rather through a hardship. 
So is that what the cross is for us? Was Jesus telling us to follow after Him and endure our hardships? It might be. And then also there in Matthew chapter 16, 24, we read a verse similar to our, to our opening text. Then Jesus then said Jesus unto His disciples, If any man will come after Me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow Me. Was Jesus simply uh, being repetitive? Was He simply trying to get a point across? And so He said to follow Me. He said to deny yourself, meaning to serve Him, and then to take up the cross, meaning to serve Him, meaning to live your life after His example, and then to follow Christ. Was He, was he being repetitive? Um, Maybe a little bit of all of them. Like I said, I'm not going to give you a definition of what it means to bear your cross this afternoon, but I want to give you a short lesson with three examples. Um, Look through the New Testament and found three examples of what I thought it meant to either take up the cross or uh, someone who very clearly was unwilling or didn't uh, take up the cross, uh, bear their own cross, or take up the cross of Christ. And so I've titled this afternoon's lesson, Forsake Your Nets. And I think you'll understand why here in just a moment. In the book of Matthew, chapter 9, verse 9, we see an example of Matthew the Apostle. And I found this pretty profound, for as simple as it seems. It says there, And Jesus passed forth from thence, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom, and he saith unto him, Follow me. And he arose, that's Matthew, and followed him. There's another verse that I would just skip right over if I was reading a large amount of text. I wouldn't think much of that, but I think it's pretty important. I think Matthew was making a decision here. Put yourself in the shoes of Matthew. Um, Jesus walks up, and uh, very clearly other things were said in this setting. This isn't the the whole account there. Um, He tells Matthew, follow me. And Matthew stands up, and follows him. And if, if you're like me, I think that Matthew had to have made a choice. Um, I don't think Matthew thought that um, it was a small choice. I think he understood uh, the choice that he was making. But I think he understood also what he had to leave behind in order to take up his own cross, in order to bear the cross of Christ. A similar example here of the apostles in Mark chapter 1 Verse number 16, and I missed a verse there. I apologize for that. But starting in 16, now as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, um, Jesus, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And Jesus said to them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. And straightway they forsook their nets and followed him. And when he had gone a little further thence, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who also were in the ship, mending their nets. And straightway he called them, And they left their father Zebedee in the ship with the hired servants and went after him. I find there at the last couple words another interesting phrasing there. They went after Jesus. Um, To make a silly point, they weren't going after in in a timeline. It wasn't Jesus went and then they went a little while after. They went after in, in pursuant of Jesus. They went after with desire to follow Jesus. They went after Jesus with a need, with a will to follow Jesus. And I think we have a really good example of what it means to take up the cross. We have the, the literal example where I got the, the phrase, take up, or excuse me, forsake your nets. 
meaning to take up the cross, to bear your own cross. See, Jesus walks up to Peter and Andrew, and and they're fishing, and he says, Come after me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And straightway, immediately, right then and there, with no time wasted, with no um, excuses, with no um, a few days to think about it, they forsook their nets, and they took up their cross to follow Christ. I think that's pretty awesome. Um, how, how they immediately went and followed Christ. And now you put yourself in their shoes, and it's a little easier because I've got some more text up here, but they were, they were at work. They weren't, it wasn't a Saturday. They weren't sitting on the couch. They were at work. Um, and uh, for at least for um, James and John, dad or the boss was, was right there. Um, the rest of your coworkers were right there. And Jesus tells them, you know, come with me. And they immediately said, okay. And I'm sure other things were said that we don't have account of, but they followed after Christ in that instance. And so I wonder um, if, if we would do the same thing. If you're sitting at work last week and Jesus were to walk up and say, you know, follow me, would, would you leave? And I begin to think more. It says there in verse 20, I think, uh, yes, and they left their father Zebedee in the ship with the hired servants. And so there's another side of that story. There were other people there who heard this, who, who heard Jesus say, come after me, who, who didn't follow him. There were other people there who decided that they wanted to stay right where they were at. There were other people there who chose fishing over Christ. And I think it's pretty plain to see that they were not willing to forsake their nets. They were not willing to throw down the net in order to follow Christ. And so we see the perfect example of someone who dropped their net. Somebody who forsook their net. Somebody who decided to bear their own cross. Somebody who decided to help bear the cross of Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, I think we find a nice example here. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body more than raiment? I wonder if this was a conversation that Jesus had with those few apostles. I wonder if he used a, a similar saying like this um, as he implored them to follow him. And I don't think about uh, food, I don't think about clothing as, as something we're so necessarily concerned about, but it seems to me that what keeps us from bearing our cross, what keeps us from forsaking our nets today is, is experiences. Life is all about experiences. I want to tell you about an experience that I had that I have desired for a long time and finally um, got it. In 2017, I got to experience something I'd, I've wanted to for a long time. Uh, myself and Brandon and Josh and, and Dad got on an airplane. I, uh, I got out of school. I was up at Canyon and uh, came down to, to Briscoe to Mom and Dad's house and got in with Dad. And I think Brandon met us at Mom and Dad's house. And we got in a pickup and we drove, picked up Josh here in Wheeler and, and drove all the way to Dallas and stayed with Andre and Philip. We got on a plane the next morning. It was early. It was 6 o'clock probably. We got up at 4 or 4.30 got on the plane and headed towards North Carolina. I had been wanting to see Duke and North Carolina play a basketball game since 
I knew what basketball was probably. Um, and so we went and, and uh, got to North Carolina, and we immediately went to Duke's campus. We uh, were wanting to tour their museum. We looked at the museum, and we wanted to get in the, in the gymnasium, and there was no tours that day. And finally we found an old fellow that was a volunteer security guard there, and he said, well, come with me, and I'll show you all. I'll show you all around. And there was, there was actually a tour, and we got in. We got on the court. And what an experience that was to, to be on the court at, at Duke. And uh, I've got a video of Brandon. I was videoing him with my phone, and we found a ball, and he shot a, shot a three and made it. And he walks up to the court, and he's so excited. He said, I made a three in Cameron Indoor Stadium. And I still haven't told him until now that his foot was on the line. And, uh, and then we, we went over to North Carolina. We looked at their museum, and... Before the game, somebody wanted to buy a hat, and so we went to a store, and we bumped into North Carolina's basketball team looking for the gift shop. And, uh, and then we came back. We were sitting there, and one of the four of us, I don't remember who, said the only thing that will make this better is seeing Michael Jordan. And lo and behold, at halftime, Michael Jordan walks out, and he gave a speech at halftime. What an experience that was. And we were on a plane the next morning at 5 o'clock, and we were in Dallas, and uh, that was Sunday morning, went to church and, and came home. Now, I told you the long version because the batteries went dead, but um, we live life for the experience, don't we? I don't think there's anything wrong with what we did. Um, in fact, I would, I would be happy to do that again. But we can get caught up in experiences in life. We can get caught up with what we want to do um, very easily because um, I, I can go back and I can remember... Uh, talking with dad and, and seeing an advertisement for Duke in North Carolina. And we're like, well, when are we ever going to do that? We're, we really need to do that one of these days. Yeah, one of these days we need to save up some money and go to that game. And then I, next thing you know, I'm looking up tickets. And next thing you know, I'm saying, hey, the tickets are this much, which is more than people would spend on tickets generally. And I said, man, we're going to have to buy four. There's not enough for just two. And he said, call Brandon. So I went outside and called Brandon. He said, I'll go. And next thing you know, Josh is on board, and, and next thing you know, we're go and it just it's kind of spiraled out of control a little bit. Next thing you know, we're flying halfway across the country and going to a basketball game. And I think there's nothing wrong with that, but we get caught up in our experiences, and I think that's probably something. Now getting back to the lesson that, um, that Christ had to probably tell the apostles. You can get caught up with your life, um, and it can, it can go by just like that. Um, before you know it, what happened what was an idea to, to go to a basketball game in, uh, in October, November, was us in April at the game, and then it, it was over, and, and six or eight months of our life had gone by. And I assume this is something that Christ had to explain to, to the apostles, um, probably in reference to work. Um, we can let anything do, the, do that to our lives. We can let our experiences or our things get in the way and keep us from uh, from dropping the net, keep us from forsaking the net, keep us obviously from from being committed to Christ is what that comes to. It's a, it's a lesson on commitment. Our second example is the rich young ruler in Mark chapter 10. <clears throat> and when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments, do not, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these things I have observed from my youth. 
Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him, and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, take up the cross, and follow me. And he was sad at that saying, and went away grieved, for he had great possession. We read a story of a young man here who flat out, absolutely, totally, and completely had the chance to take up his own cross, to bear his own cross, and he refused it. And he turned away. And he was sad. And I think Jesus knew that that was a possibility. Um, and the reason I say that's right before Jesus tells him to, that he's going to have to drop the net. Right before Jesus tells him that you're going to have to forsake your net and the things that you love, he says, or it says, there, then Jesus, beholding him, loved him. He knew it was going to be difficult. And he, made the, he gave him his best shot. And the young, the young ruler there um, he was unwilling to give up what he had. He was unwilling to bear his own cross. And I imagine this was very similar to the hired servants that we read about um, in our last reading. Sometimes we're just unwilling to let go of the net. Sometimes we get too caught up in the experience. Um, it's almost inevitable that the rich young ruler was not thinking about what he would miss out on in heaven or else I, I think he would have had a different response. It's inevitable that he wasn't thinking about um, what good he could do um, in the world it, or with Christ, but he was too caught up thinking about what good he couldn't do or what fun he couldn't have or what experience he couldn't have if he followed Christ. And so I go back to Mark chapter 8, verse number 35, the first sentence there that I, that I underlined that whoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospel's the same shall save it. Jesus calls us to lose the experience. Jesus calls us to forsake the experience, to forsake our job, to forsake um, our possessions, if it be that we have to, in order to follow him. And so we see this example here of a young man who, while Jesus and the apostles walk away or... or uh, sail away, however they, however they left, as they forsook their nets, we see an example of, of a young man who's standing there holding on to his net because he'd a lot rather be fishing than, than to be out working with Christ. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, um, just part of that scripture says, No man can serve two masters. He will either hate one and love the other, or he'll hold the one and despise the other. It, it's an exact example it's a perfect example of the apostles. It's a perfect example of the rich young ruler. And it played out exactly as Christ said it would. He will either love one and hate the other or hold to the one and despise the other. And that's what the rich young ruler did. He was too worried about the experience. He was too worried about um, saving his life here, saving the temporal things that he had instead of an eternal Reward In Luke chapter 14, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life also he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. You know, I mentioned that to come after Christ might mean um, exactly what it meant for Christ, that it was going to be something difficult. It was going to be something hard. It was going to be something that you didn't want to do. And I think that's very, very possible and very true. Because Jesus uh, says there in Luke chapter 14, if you don't come to me and, and hate or to uh, forsake your, your family, if that's what it means to follow Christ, that, that's just what you're going to have to do. 
And finally, my last example is Simon in Luke chapter 23, verse number 26. Now this one's um, very short and very, uh, very little information that we find here in Luke chapter 23. And as they led him away, that's Jesus they're talking about here, they laid hold upon one Simon, or Cyrenian, coming out of the country. And on him they laid the cross that he might bear it after Jesus. And so we see here a, a physical cross, the actual cross, the literal cross that Jesus bore, the literal cross that Jesus was crucified on. And there's a man named Simon there. And the, the, the soldiers there, the people there, they, they forced Simon to literally bear or carry that cross. Uh, we, don't, we don't know much about Simon. Um, we know that he was not there to crucify Jesus. He was not there because he hated Jesus. He was not there um, because he loved Jesus. He wasn't there to defend Jesus or to attempt to defend Jesus. Simon was simply there. He was a bystander. Um, just caught in the crossfires, if you will. But the soldiers forced him to bear the cross um, they most likely didn't want to carry it themselves. Uh, they didn't want to move it themselves, and so they saw a man there, and they, they ordered him to bear that cross. And so Simon, he bore that cross. I find this interesting because Simon didn't want to, but he did. I find this interesting because uh, Simon had no intent to. Simon clearly was not denying himself. Simon clearly was not following after or coming after Christ, but Simon was just there. And so I think Simon is a perfect example of somebody with an empty net. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 15, that's the bottom one there, it says, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou art cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. I think this defines Simon. Simon wasn't there because he hated Jesus. Simon wasn't there because he loved Jesus. Simon was just there. Simon was just lukewarm, someone who was forced to carry the cross. But we can really convict this attitude or this lifestyle, if you will, in Luke chapter 9, 23. Uh, different account in the gospel there, of course, in Luke. Jesus said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. He changed it just a little bit there on us. And that's why... Um, we use Simon as a poor example of bearing the cross. He was forced to. Um, and you might think, well, that's a good example. He did it. He may, not, he may have had other things to do, but he did it because he knew he needed to. Well, Simon was most likely forced to do it, for one. Um, but we read here in the book of Luke that to take up the cross, to be committed to Christ, is, is not something that we can do on Sunday. To be committed to Christ is not something that we can do when we feel like it. To take up the cross, to bear our own cross, is something that we have to do, that we must do daily. It's something that is not a checklist. It's something that's a lifestyle. And we see that Simon was standing there with an empty net. And so who do you resemble? This is where we take a minute to think about ourselves. Who do you resemble? If you could put yourself in the, in the shoes of the five apostles that we read about, do you imagine yourself having a similar response to Jesus' invitation? Or do you find yourself being the hired servant that, that stayed on the ship? Because they immediately forsook their nets. They immediately took up 
the cross of Christ. They immediately followed after him. Do you resemble the rich young ruler in your life? Do you feel that to take up the cross is just too much? Do you feel that the weight of that cross is just too heavy to bear? Is the cross of Christ or your cross personally, um, does it mean that you're going to have to give up some things that you really enjoy? Um, there are some things that we've all had to give, give up, if, you will, if you'll think about it, to, in order to serve God. And I think most of us are generally okay with that, um, knowing better. But there's some things that we're going to have to give up. Uh, it could be family. It could be flying halfway across the country and, and going to a, to a basketball game. I don't know what that is. Um, but there are th some things that we're going to have to give up. And depending on which lens we look through um, will determine our decision. And then also, uh, do you resemble Simon? And this is where it can kind of get a little bit um, sensitive. Are you here because your grandma's here? Are you here because somebody else expects you to bear the cross? Do you worship here because your mom and dad worship here? And because you have to. Do you worship here until they pass away and the moment they pass away are you gone forever? Do you worship here because your children worship here? Or just because you feel like it's expected? Because you've worshipped here for years and years and years and you don't know why. You've just been here forever and so you're just going to stay here. Why? Um, that's, a, that's a question you need to, to consider for yourself. Why? Do you take up the cross? Why would you bear that cross? Do you bear it for Christ as the apostles did? Do you uh, not want to pick it up like the rich young ruler? Or are you forced to pick it up, forced to bear that cross just as Simon? And how have you taken up the cross? Have you taken up the cross in any of these ways? I think these are all acceptable ways to define as taking up the cross. I, I wanted so badly to give you a definition for taking up the cross, and I realize there is no plain Jane definition. Um, taking up the cross is going to be different for each of us. We're going to have to give up different things to, to follow after Christ. We're going to have to give up different things to be committed to Christ. Um, and we might be also called to do different things to take up the cross of Christ. I think about the apostles once more. Um, these were men who were, were fishermen, uh, at least the four of them were. In my opinion, I'm, I'm not certain, I can't say with certainty, they were probably not the most um, skilled men in the world um, in terms of public relations or in terms of public speaking or uh, studied or well-versed, educated men. But they took up the cross of Christ anyways, and I, I suppose that that didn't matter. I suppose that didn't have a whole lot of impact. And so have you been called to be a preacher, but, but aren't willing? Have you been called to leave your old life, but aren't willing? Have you been called to fight temptation, to endure hardship, but aren't willing? Have you simply been called to follow after Christ, but you're not willing? Um, there's no excuse because the apostles, I think, were in a, in a lesser state to do that than we are today. In Mark chapter 10, verse 29, Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house or brethren or sister or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake in the Gospels, but he shall receive an hundredfold now in this time, houses, brethren, sisters, mothers, children, lands, with persecutions and in the world to come, eternal life. 
it doesn't seem like a great trade until he gets down there at the end of verse number 30. And in the world to come, eternal life. Have you taken up the cross by forsaking your net? In 2 Timothy 4 and 10, For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. Demas is kind of like Simon. We don't know much about Demas. Uh, very little information there. But we know that Demas loved the present world, like the rich young ruler. Um, he probably had some toys. He probably had some money. And he was unwilling to take up and bear his own cross. And so he forsook Jesus. And so if we look at that in the opposite way, have, have we forsaken the present world in order to prove our love for Jesus? In order to prove that we're taking up the cross? Luke 14 and the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. Maybe taking up the cross is preaching or spreading the word or having a Bible study. How have you taken up the cross? And in closing, I want you to consider the weight of the cross. If we go back to our three examples, I think that you will see if you look through the lens of their eyes that they all looked at the cross bearing the cross through a different lens, with a different attitude, with a different perception. Very clearly, as the apostles Peter, Andrew, James, and John looked at the weight of the cross, as they realized what they would be giving up, meaning the weight of the cross, they looked at that through the lens that this is not going to be so hard. This is going to be easy. And most importantly, this is going to be worth it. That this is something that not only I want to do, not only I think I should do, but that I need to do, that I have a will to do, that I have a desire to do. If you look at the weight of the cross through the lens of the rich young ruler, it's pretty evident that through his eyes, the weight of the cross was just too heavy. That the burden that he would have had to bear by bearing the cross was just too much, was more than he could bear. And if you look at the weight of the cross through the, through the lens of Simon, it was an unnecessary weight. It was a weight that he never expected, a weight that he probably felt was unneeded or unnecessary or forced on him. So how do you look at the weight of the cross? Whenever you think about being committed to the church, does it seem like a burden? Because honestly, that's foolish. And I'll show you why. In Matthew chapter 11, verse number 29, it says, Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light, Jesus says. Let me tell you, this is what the apostles were thinking. After they talked to Jesus, they thought, this is going to be a lot better. This is the life that I need. This is the life that I desire. With Jesus, the yoke is easy. The burden is easy. The burden is light. The cost, the weight of the cross is going to be worth it. And it's going to be light. And finally, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 16, it says, For which cause we faint not, but through our outward man perish. Yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh us for a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And so real quickly, if we go back and look through the lens of those three examples, I think we know what they were seeing. Were they seeing eternal or were they seeing temporal? What do you see when you look at your personal cross? What do you see when you think about bearing your own cross? Do you see eternal or do you see temporal? And what is the weight of that cross? 
I think this is awesome. Verse 17, for a light affliction which is but for a moment. I think that the apostles knew that, that the burden that they would bear was light and just for a moment. Just for the rest of their life here on earth. But, but for a moment. They knew that it was working for a far more exceeding prize an eternal weight of glory. I think if you are too attached to this world like Demas, like the rich young ruler, possibly like Simon, like the hired servants that were there with the apostles, then you see a heavy burden to bear. You see a heavy weight to bear. But if, if you're like the apostles, you see an eternal weight of glory, a glorious weight, a weight that, that you can't wait to bear, a weight that you want and you desire and you need to bear. Have you considered the weight of your cross today? Have you considered what category you might fall in? Are you one who is eager to bear the cross? Are you one who is reluctant to bear the cross or forced to bear the cross? Are you one who is completely and totally unwilling to bear the cross? I think it's a very important and and forefront thing that we need to consider today. Are we bearing our, our cross? If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospel's, the same shall save it. To, to lose your life here on earth, to forsake your net, simply is to save your soul. If Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you'd like to know more about this subject or any other Bible topic, send us a message at our Facebook page, The Church of Christ, Wheeler Area.